What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the D.C. Sports Huddle. It is sponsored by MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork. Patiently waiting to see Aaron Rodgers move to see if the Jets get desperate enough to give me a tryout at quarterback. Alongside George Wallace, the Tom Izzo of the show, and Dave Preston, as much a friend to tri-corner hats as he is enemy to styrofoam cups this time of year because of his mutilation in the name of bracketology. Now, we are going to start with the NCAA tournament brackets, and if you're anything like me, you already have your sheets of integrity filled out. Did you rehearse that whole thing? The hatred no. of the brackets and the, the, the I, styrofoam? I, I, no, yeah. I gave it some thought. I do some prep for this show, contrary to popular belief. So uh, we are starting with the uh, NCAA tournaments. The men's field, guys, I, I kind of feel like this is a, 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 the most wide-open tournament that we've had in a while. There's not that big baddie that everybody just assumes is going to uh, go all the way to the finals. It's not like Duke in the 90s or what have you. Obviously, Houston is the number one overall seed. They've put together a pretty strong regular season, but I think you could make the case that they could flame out in the Sweet 16 just as much as you could make the case that they win the whole thing. So we start with Dave Preston, who is an AP Top 25 voter. He has seen all of these teams intimately, and uh, his sheet of integrity is probably as good as anyone's. So uh, what are your initial thoughts on the way the brackets uh, shook out, both locally and globally? We'll start locally. And what a difference a year makes, guys. Last year we were clinging to, I think, Delaware on one side and <laughs> Richmond on another and saying those are our locals. We've got some great local stories this year. And we start inside the district with Howard Bison in their first NCAA tournament since 1992. And what a great job Kenny Blakeney has done there this season. What an incredible run they had in the MEAC tournament. A fantastic finish to beat Norfolk State. And just like 1992 when they played Kansas, in the first round, and Kansas was the number one seed. That's the case this year, and they're in a Midwestern city that begins with D, except instead of Dayton way back when, it's Des Moines this year. But just to get to the NCAA tournament is an achievement in and of itself for the one-bid league schools, and uh, congratulations to them. They're going to have a tough task because Kansas has been one of those top teams in the country all season. You could have easily made them the number one overall seed at any point in the last month and nobody would have argued with you the other great story inside the beltway the university of maryland first year with uh coach kevin willard they're back in the big dance after the mess that was last season mark turgeon leaving in december danny manning uh you know inheriting a a complete mess and doing the best he could to put together a, a solid team and a solid season they play west virginia which is going to be an interesting matchup because bob huggins uh you know has been around for ages and When you play West Virginia, you feel as though you've played West Virginia for not just two, three days, but maybe a week. So that'll be a challenge for them. Another local school of note, uh, Virginia, didn't exactly have the best finish. They kind of slumped in the ACC championship game against Duke. They're a number uh, four seed, I believe. And then uh, VCU wins the Atlantic 10. They're a number 12 seed. They take on St. Mary's in Albany. So there's the old case of, a team traveling from the West Coast to play at two, I believe, which is before noon. So we've got that going for us. That's my local take. And I, you guys can chime in and before we move to the national idea. And I actually picked VCU as my 512 upset because in part because of that, but 
also because they've just been a strong basketball program right. for a good long while. So uh, I thought they were a little low as a 12, but uh, I feel like that's a good uh, uh, upset pick there. I think it's fascinating that Maryland and Virginia land in the same bracket. And, you know, Alabama, with everything that's going on with the off-field uh, issues that that school is enduring right now, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility that you see a Maryland-Virginia matchup in uh, what round would that the, the Elite Eight or Sweet 16, I think. Round of 16. Yeah, yes. the Sweet 16. So In Louisville. Um, yeah, so that that would be interesting if, uh, if we get that, uh, for lack of a better term, a civil war, uh, you know, at least in terms of uh, the locals. Um, Before we move to George, you, you you mentioned how their seed was a little bit lower. I yeah. think the Atlantic, the reason why their seed is low is the, the Atlantic 10 didn't go out and get any of those huge high profile wins in November and December. And when mm-hmm. you don't do that, you're the uh, it's it's the metrics. It's it's this, right. you know, thing. And it just it decreases. It's why the Mountain West got four schools because for whatever reason they had more high quality wins in November and December that bumped their number up a little bit more. What are you seeing in the brackets, George? Nothing. <laughs> uh, no. Beautiful. <laughs> Back to I you. should have said you were the Marshawn Lynch of the show. <laughs> yeah. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Just here so you don't get fined. Um, if Maryland's going to play a one seed in the second round, of the one seeds, I would like to take my chance at Alabama because of everything that you mentioned, Rob. I know hmm. they're the number one overall seed, but just with everything going on, I take my chance at that with a team that you really – haven't seen, you know, Purdue a one. Okay, you've seen them before. Kansas, I think, with Bill Self coming back now is going to catch fire. And Houston, I think, is, one the, is the best team right now uh, anyway, as far as the ones are concerned. So I would take my chance with Alabama. you got to get by West Virginia first. And last time Maryland was in the tournament, or one of the times they played West Virginia, Melo Trimble goes down with a concussion, very physical game. They end up losing it. But I would love a shot at a number one seed in Alabama. Virginia is going to have its hands full with Furman. And then – you know, that second round, you have Charleston, who has the most wins this year, playing a San Diego State team. You know, you don't really see much of San Diego State. They won an ugly title game the other day. So that could be an interesting situation. The Howard thing is just a great story. You're going to go up against Kansas, probably get blown out. But just the fact that they are there, they're just riding that high right now as far as that's concerned. As far as the number ones, uh, I think Purdue's got the toughest road ahead. You got Marquette as the two. Michigan State still there, very familiar with them. Tennessee Duke could be an interesting four or five matchup. So to your point, initially, I think this is the least controversial bracket because nobody from those single team conferences, no real upsets, no bubble teams getting wins and, um, you know, upsetting anything. So you, you kind of get that. And it also is, I think, like you said, too, the most wide open tournament. There is no one dominant team. I think if you look at that top five this year, you have teams that could beat anybody on a given night. And we saw that. And you know who else people aren't really talking about so far is Gonzaga. They got that matchup could be there again in the um was it the final four? I got Gonzaga in the final four. Drew Timmy wants to win a championship before he turns 40. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean to your point, I mean look with the with Oh yeah, UCLA's the two UCLA's yeah. the two Kansas. That's right. Yep. Right. So I, I think coaching is going to be at a premium here. And that's why I think West Virginia is a scary matchup for Maryland yeah. off of that. Because you do have Bob Huggins, as we mentioned, but also the reason why I called you Tom Izzo, I got Michigan State going all the way to the Elite Eight because I I just I I love Tom Izzo. I love what he's done with that program. And, uh, you know, I don't care what their regular season record was. Those teams are a tough out come tournament time. 
So I got them going all the way to the Elite Eight, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me at least if they took it even further. Love Izzo and March. I know people yeah. make a big deal about that all the time, but they uh, it, it's so true. But look, yeah. Marquette ran through the Big East. Shock is doing a heck of a job there. That's the two yeah. in that. That'd be the two seven second round matchup. And then yeah. Kentucky, Providence, Kansas State, Montana. I'm going to see those guys in Greensboro. Love me some Coach Cal. So that'll be and fun. Shout out Montana be- State. Uh, yeah. My brother is alma mater. So oh, cool. I, I actually got them pulling the upset in the first round. I got them winning uh, winning a game. Uh, is that, your brother going to uh, – is he going to be out there? Is he going to be in Greensboro? Uh, he's not going to be in Montana State. He lives in Washington State now. But uh, Well, they're playing in Greensboro. Yeah, I don't think he's going to make the trip for that. Okay. Chiming in. I'll say hello. Nationally, gentlemen, yeah, I think you guys are spot on. When you look at the top 10, 15 schools, everybody has given us enough reason not to buy them in March. Even Houston, Houston has been near perfect this season, but, you know, Marcus Sasser was unavailable this past Sunday in the AAC championship game. They don't need him to beat Northern Kentucky. They might need him to beat Auburn or Iowa in the second round. So, you mentioned Michigan State. I think if Michigan State were to go winless, they'd still find a way to get a number seven seed in the tournament, and they'd still find a way to win a game or two past around where they should. I'm I'm wary about Marquette guys from the standpoint they want a lot of close games down the stretch, and it's almost though they're 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 playing on borrowed time. They remind me of when Georgetown, the last really great team with JT three. Back in 2008, Roy Hibbert was on that team. He had a three to beat UConn at the buzzer. Uh, and and they, they won a lot of ridiculous games. And it almost felt as though the Hoyas that year spent all of their mojo capital. And they got to the tournament and they lost to Steph Curry and Davidson in the second round. Even though I'm very impressed with Shaka Smart and I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a run to the round of 16, I think their luck runs out against Michigan State. I think they've spent way too much mojo capital the last couple of weeks. Don't look past the catamounts in round one either. <laughs> no, I know. No, you had a chance to see them in Burlington last weekend. If we can check out you know, the different uh, regions, I'm not sold on Purdue. If there's a team that concerns me and scares me, it's Duke. And you know, you guys know why, because they're playing better than anybody else in the country right now. Nine straight wins. They ran through the ACC like a blowtorch through butter. Everybody's healthy when their nucleus is healthy. They're 17-1 this season, and I'm not sold on Purdue. Their guards aren't good enough, too inexperienced. And even though they've got the best player in the country in Zach Eady, for some reason, Purdue in the tournament last year against St. Mary's, they should have walked into the Final Four. They always seem to be, you know, the whole is less than the sum of its parts. I've got uh, Duke advancing. I've got Alabama advancing. I've got UConn advancing from the uh, West bracket, beating Gonzaga in the uh, championship game. Danny Hurley is they're doing a fantastic job, and I see they're playing very well on both ends of the floor in a way very few teams are at this time. And then I've got Houston advancing to the Final Four. Originally, I had Texas, but I've got Houston, and there's one reason why. Jim Nance. Houston alone, <laughs> doing the Final Four for the final time this year before he goes off and just does golf and annoys us there. And then, you know, and, and football. Went to the University of Houston. For him to call a Houston National Championship in his final call would be so Jim Nance-ish, it wouldn't even be funny. I thought you were going to say you like Duke because Dick Vitale and Jay Billis like Duke, too. That's the way it kind no, of – No, no, I, I don't. I, I, that's I, a I Ben Raby pick that, right there. That's true. Yeah, that's a Ben Raby pick. Um, but I've actually spent the night in Durham. 
unlike Ben. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. All right, so my final four, you're telling me I'm an idiot for picking Purdue to go to the final four, which I did. I picked yeah. them to beat Duke. I'd I, love to see it. Yeah, I, I got Arizona also advancing, Gonzaga, and Houston is the top overall seed. Again, and I said it before, I could see them flaming out in the Sweet 16. Right. I could also see them winning the title. So I just threw a dart against the board and said, I got them winning the title over Arizona in the final. But let's turn it uh, local before uh, George Wallace uh, stepped away to do a sportscast here. We'll get his final four in a moment. But Maryland, how far do we think Maryland can go in this thing? Because, uh, you know, they're given a coin flip mm-hmm. uh, chance by uh, ESPN to uh, even beat their first round opponent, West Virginia. Right. So, I mean, even if you do get past them, Going up against Alabama, that's a one seed. That's a team that's been strong much of the year. As we mentioned, there's some off-the-court stuff that uh, could either derail them or galvanize them, and it's hard to tell kind of which way that that's going to go. So how do we think Maryland, assuming they beat West Virginia, because it would be boring to say that they're going to go one and done, but can they beat a top seed in Alabama and advance beyond that? I don't think they have the shooting to do so. I think they've got Jameer Young, and they've got he's the most consistent player they have outside of him. You know, yes, uh, Juju Reese is is great in the low post, but as far as a guy who can create his own shot, when Jameer Young plays well and shoots well, they do well. When he doesn't, there's a lot of issues. Uh, they lean on Dante Scott to play really well against uh, you know Minnesota. Against an Alabama, you have to play your best game, and I don't think that Maryland's best is good enough to beat Alabama. And I also think the the after effect of playing West Virginia for 40 minutes, that's going to that's gonna hang on you for a couple of days. You know, no matter, you know, you could play Sunday and you'd still, you know, feel the after effects from a Thursday game. So this team has so exceeded expectations, Rob. It's ridiculous. I thought that, okay, if they do well, they'll go 7-13. and 13. They might break the 500 mark. They might get into the NIT. But to get into the tournament, and not just in the tournament, but solidly where they're an eight seed, they're, they're, you know, they're not, they weren't even close to being in the bubble. They played their way into it in such a good manner. And I think uh, the future's bright for uh, Coach Kevin Willard. I think that unlike Mark Turgeon, he gets Maryland and they kind of get him. Again, this is only one year. For all we know, <laughs> things go up in flames because that's, that's how things happen in this world. You, that's why they're called surprises. But I, I'm I, I, I played I think, out at American with yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean the stock I, I I would buy stock in Maryland and uh, yeah. Kevin Willard right now because they're going to be very good not just in the you know in the near future but you know long range as well. No, I I, I like that team a lot. Uh, the thing that has been frustrating this season is that they play like world beaters when they're at home and not so much. <laughs> you know, there's such a huge dichotomy between right. the Terps at home. And when they're away, and I know that they fared a little better in neutral site locations, but still, I mean, if if you can't pack your best game and take it on the road, you don't really have a shot at doing anything substantial. So, and I mean, the whole Big Ten was like that too. I think right. the only, no, the, and, the only and, schools and I that, that up, had I mean, winning records. I think Purdue yeah. was the only team with a winning record on the road in the Big Ten, and they they want to win in the league. I think they're, Northwestern may have. Yeah, Northwestern. There was there was only two schools yeah. that had a non-losing record in uh, conference play on the road uh, in the Big Ten. So yes, it was not unique to Maryland, but Maryland was 
kind of on the back end of those teams that that had the losing records. There's a difference between four and six losing record and uh, what was theirs, two and eight. One and nine uh, with the yeah. win over Minnesota. So yeah, it's do you so. really count that? I mean, yeah. y- you do. Uh, you know, Virginia, I think uh, we've talked a little bit about the uh, the Cavaliers. I think they run into a buzzsaw, whether it's San Diego State or the College of Charleston. Uh, I just I don't they don't have the offensive giddy up this year. And defensively, they're not as great as they have been when they've been outstanding. And you, you look at their shooting, it just they they can I could easily see them score in the 40s or get into a track meet with the College of Charleston and come up woefully short. George, what was your uh, final four selection? And the way they looked in that championship game against Duke. Yeah. <laughs> mm, not good. I haven't done an official uh, Final Four yet. No sheet of integrity? No, but if you need me to do it now, I mean, Houston I definitely have in the Final Four. Okay. So we're just going to do what I said because it's uh, probably you say? wrong. Huh? I, I said Houston, Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona. Okay. I've got Gonzaga. Dave well. said I'm an idiot for picking Purdue. Because he he said, and I'm quoting, their guards are trash. Okay. I'm going to say their their guards are young. (laughs) And even though they've seen a lot of minutes this year, I don't feel confident in their guards against (laughs) Duke when they play well defensively. And that's what they've done for the last month. I agree. The West is, uh, I'm stuck between Gonzaga and UConn because UConn's playing. UCLA, I don't think they're going to do much. They've got the injury concern. Right. Uh, I did a East, long pause on Gonzaga and UConn. Because, yeah, the East, yeah, the the East is still up for grabs for me. I don't know yet. I don't think it's going to be Purdue, and I don't know. You know I can and your Maryland ties will, won't let you pick Duke. Right. I like Michigan State all the time anyway. I always pick them in March, as we've talked about with Izzo, yeah. but I like Marquette, so that's kind of where I'm stuck yeah. at too, so I don't know. Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, how far do you think Maryland goes? George? That's a great question you asked. I'm glad you asked me that question. Yeah. You're sounding like a coach now, George. Yeah. I want to see them up against Alabama. I don't think they could beat Alabama, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. How about that? The last that time they... they were in the tournament, they played Alabama a couple yeah. of years ago. And last time they were in the Sweet 16 was Louisville as well when they lost to, mm. we lost to Kansas. Right. Um, they're probably going to bow in the second round. I do think they can get by West Virginia. I think that they've yes. played – this year, they they played well against Indiana the other night in the Big Ten tournament. A couple these stretches late in that game, but I think they played well. I mean, fifteen zero run will do it to you every time. And that goal t- missed goaltending call was big in that game. But anyway, and right. we've talked, gentlemen, about how you know the how it's it's wide open. You you look at an Indiana team that played really well in the second half against Maryland, and then the next day they lose to a tenth place team on a neutral floor in Penn State. For as good as Indiana has been this year. They got boat raced by Iowa. They got swept by Northwestern. And that's, in a nutshell, what this year is, guys, where with the women's game, you have your elite. And you know what? Iowa's not losing to a second-tier Big Ten school. Maryland's not losing to somebody who's not in the top 20 at this point in time in the season. I think in the men's game, the top five teams, any of the top five teams can lose to teams 31 through 35, depending on the circumstance and situation. Exactly. And that's actually a good segue to the women's bracket. We do want to touch on that because uh, Maryland is a prominent uh, entrant in that tournament. And uh, unfortunately, they fall in the same side of the bracket, the same region as uh, South Carolina. So that is I'm assuming that Maryland is going to get to the Elite Eight where they would face uh, South Carolina. But I have South Carolina winning the championship. So I have them going out, the Terps, that is, 
uh, in the Elite Eight, South Carolina over Virginia Tech in the national oh, championship wow. game. How do you, you feel got about tech, that? You got Tech yeah. getting it done. Yeah. I, you know, mad, mad props to the Hokies uh, yeah. getting to, uh, you know, they won their first ever ACC championship this year and uh, and getting their first ever number one seed. You hate to say under the radar, but not being North Carolina or Duke in the ACC or even, you know, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish have been a Final Four regular over the years. They, they really kind of snuck up on a lot of uh, teams this year. They've got the girl, uh, the woman, Elizabeth Kitley, who's been absolutely fantastic. I'm surprised that Ashley Owusu, the Maryland transfer, has not been a factor on the roster this year. I thought when they added her, I thought that she'd provide a nice shot in the arm. She's not been the player that I thought she was going to be for them. Maryland, I think, can easily, because they don't have size this year, they've been a very, uh, Brenda Freeze has done one of her best jobs as head coach, putting together this team of scrappy players who, you know, they maximize every possession on both ends of the floor. And I think that this is a team that could easily lose in the second round, this upcoming Sunday in the second round to Arizona or West Virginia, or if they reached the uh, regional final and uh, played valiantly and came up short because they'd be undermanned against a South Carolina. So they just got to shoot really well. They, uh, that's the key to any game, but they they really, this more so than other teams where they've had physical forwards who can really, when they're not shooting well, you know, negate that. They don't have that margin for error this year so uh but i think uh, diamond miller has been one of my favorite players to cover uh, at maryland and cheyenne sellers is sneaky good as well she's the next great maryland terrapin okay and so uh real quick george how far the women go the maryland women i saw that south carolina thing immediately and that was kind of disappointing but the women's tournament it's just so it's just such the, the, yeah. the, the, I mean, I have all the one seeds going to the Final Four, and that's usually how it plays out. As much right. as there is variation in the men's game, the women's game, it's pretty straightforward based yeah. on the city. It's mostly chalk. So, yeah, I mean, but Maryland's just to- totally uh, overachieved, I think, this year. And I think to Dave's point, the way Brenda's coached this team with losing – what they lose? Nine? Nine, nine right? It, 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 it felt like 15, but, yeah. you know, that that's nine. not the case. I mean, they, yeah. they lost. Nine is well, a lot by their standards. I mean, yeah, and just uh, to lose so many players was just, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. So the fact that they did that and were still able to do what they did, uh, I could see them making a run of the, to the Elite Eight and then run into a buzzsaw kind of thing. But, I mean, that, mm-hmm. you talk about a successful season. I mean, this, for me, has been one of the best because, they you know, we've gone into other seasons with them and they go – However, six straight Big Ten tournament championship games, whatever they played in, all of them up to that point. Uh, you kind of expected that, but to lose so many players, the eight or nine players they did, and to bounce back like they did this year, I mean, that's a huge tribute to her. And 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 to play off that Georgia caveat, uh, you know, yeah, they didn't play for the Big East champion or the Big Ten championship this year, but the Big Ten is as good as it has been since they've joined the league. Yeah. You know, Indiana's a number one seed. Iowa could very well have been a number one seed. Michigan is very good. Ohio State's very good as well. Maryland, when you look at their personnel, could have easily finished fifth or sixth. And the fact that they finished tied for second and lost via tiebreaker to uh, Iowa for that number two seed shows you the, the, the kind of season that they were able to grit out. All right, guys. So uh, just a couple of minutes left, but we have to touch on Commander's free agency. Taylor Heineke taking his talents back home to Georgia. He is now an Atlanta Falcon. On uh, and if you were paying attention, the market value, uh, it's the the two years twenty million is about what he was expected to generate. 
So that's what he but gets. Let's not get carried away. It's a year for six, really guaranteed. All right. So if you why do you gotta go yeah, there, yeah, man? Yeah, you're always yeah, bringing him down, down man. Yeah, you never like Taylor here. Oh, man. Here we go. Yeah, because he's overrated. That's why. And so he's going to do in Atlanta what he was tasked to do here, and that was to be a serviceable backup who you know you break glass in case of emergency. Right. Now the difference is he's not playing in that scott turner offense anymore and so that's what got him here that's what made him this option that made him a fan favorite without being in that offense let's see if he can actually play but again i mean they have desmond ritter he's supposed to be the starter so i don't think anybody's expecting to see taylor heineke on the field uh barring injury but washington from the washington piece of it it means now you have to get a veteran quarterback who is not taylor heineke jacoby Brissett is still out there that is i think the guy that we all sort of honed in on in previous conversations about this topic uh but just quickly touching on the guys who they did sign andrew wiley he's a guy who played in kansas city everywhere but center so he's got that versatility that Ron Rivera covets. He is a logical replacement, if not a mirror image of Wes Schweitzer. So that was an interesting signing. Nick Gates, uh, you've been injury riddled on the interior of your line. So you go and get a guy who has been injury riddled, right? He suffered the injury against Washington, a really bad injury. So look, he was uh, fifth in the comeback player of the year voting. So he wasn't a bad player for the Giants last year, but when he's healthy, and that is a caveat, He is a solid interior lineman. Cody Barton, uh, breakout season in Seattle. He's basically a cheaper Cole Holcomb. And you figure, so with each of these signings, and those are the big ones as of this recording on Tuesday, each of these signings, it's like, okay, you address the need, but they didn't get the, the home run hit that you look for in free agency. And maybe to George's point in previous episodes, maybe it's because of the ownership situation, they don't want to spend big money. And we've also had breaking news within the last half hour. Oh, uh, they reportedly uh, Rivera has fired John Matzkow today, the offensive line coach. Oh, mm. kind of interesting timing. Yeah, March, middle of March. It could be a yeah. enemy situation. Because now, if he filled out his sheet for the tournament pool, does he still get to participate? <laughs> Great question. In Ashburn, I mean, that's the. I mean, that's that'd be really awkward. Yeah, you, you got my hard, money. These are the hard hitting questions that right. Dave Preston tends to ask. So. Just interesting timing. You know, usually it doesn't happen really in March. But, you know, and you, get, yeah. you signed two offensive linemen yesterday. The enemy has a lot of say now in this offensive staff, so maybe that's a situation where he made the change. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they didn't get along. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give you two names, guys, to look out for coming up in free agency, guys who also have ties to the enemy. Blake Bell was in Kansas City with him. Good veteran depth insurance as a blocker at the tight end position. Jarek McKinnon. That is a name that Dave Preston wants no parts of because he could supplant his favorite man in Burgundy and Gold, J.D. McKissick, as the backfield receiving threat. Then what do we do? Yeah. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, yeah. we're toast. What I like about the moves, guys, just, just in, a, in a nutshell, is, yeah, they're not home runs, but at least they're bringing guys in so they. Uh, I feel that – they won't have gaping holes come draft time where they feel they have to you know, reach for somebody that, you know, they shouldn't be on their board where they're going after need. Cause that, that's where you make your mistakes in the draft. When you feel like you have to take somebody because you have no linebackers and, and you got to take uh you know, somebody from Tennessee for, you know, say, or something along those lines or take an offensive lineman that maybe you, you didn't want to, but you've got to, you, you got to have something to show for it. So is the 53 better? Yes. It's not a lot better, but the floor is higher than it would have been had you not brought these guys in. 
Yeah, it feels a lot like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic in some ways. Uh, This was a great episode, guys. Uh, Very bracket heavy. Hope you enjoyed it. It is, uh, as always, sponsored by our friends at MGM National Harbor. For the latest in Washington sports, visit MGM National Harbor and experience a sports fan's paradise. I am Rob Woodfork, saluting you all. George Wallace, Dave Preston. We will break the huddle and do it again next week.